Good afternoon, everybody. Hopefully you can see and hear us okay. Let us know if you can't. Looks like we're only going live in one of the groups for some reason. The uh, uh, the stream hasn't worked, but we're in the main group, which is the most important thing. And then obviously we'll have a replay that comes up anyway as well. So I'll just try and add that on there. These things happen when you go live, unfortunately. So we'll just wait for a few people to come on. So it looks like people are joining now. If you can let us know if you can see and hear us okay, everyone. I'm just going to go into the comments we've got hi guys which is good that's oh that's jay hi jay hope you're well um happy new year by the way a belated happy new year to everyone happy new year to you as well harvey so um happy new year, me, everyone i know it's it's one of those <laughs> things it feels like new year was such a long time ago already um but yeah here we are um first beyond the buy box back of 2024 and i've got to be honest i really didn't expect to be talking about accountancy off the bat first session of the year we normally talk about strategic planning goals that type of thing but you know as these things are sent to test us um here we are and uh we've got loads of people that have jumping on so we've got james Nikkei, g uh rosie hello beautiful hello beautiful back steve imran cindy hello hello welcome everyone uh, Joshua's joined us as well. So uh, any questions as we go along, please uh, pop them in the comments. As you can imagine, this is probably going to be quite a busy beyond the buy box with lots of comments and questions and things like that. So um, if you, <laughs> someone's straight, straight in there. Who said that straight away? Uh, Dan, passive tax refugees in the house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, before we get started, before we get started, I want to introduce uh, Harvinda slash Harvey to you. What do you prefer, Harvey? Is it Harvey? Uh, Harvey's my most common. I personally don't mind anyone. Uh, yeah. Harvey's cool. So we'll, we'll go with cool. Harvey. Nice and short. Yeah, it's more personal. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, <laughs> Thank you for joining us on short notice. Like I said, you are an unexpected guest this week. So, uh, you know, thanks to Harvey for joining us at short notice because I know what an incredibly busy person you are, especially more so over the last week. So we will talk about the elephant in the room in a minute, guys. But just before we do, I just want Harvey to introduce himself. So you guys say hello. If you haven't spoken to Harvey, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen him around in the communities. You've seen him around in the group, you know, answering questions, etc. especially over the last week with some helpful advice, given the situation. But just your opportunity, Harvey, just to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and kind of why you're here. <laughs> Fantastic. First of all, thank you for having me on Beyond the Buy Box. I've seen the group for a long time and I'm really grateful to be with this community. It's a really good community. I've been following the Facebook page over the last week. There's so much helpful advice. Uh, even the little video about how to download your Datron Zero and um, Hub, Hub Docs, really, really impressive. So really grateful to be given this opportunity to be here. And hello, everyone. Happy New Year. It feels like July. I've had such a busy week. <laughs> it feels like I've done six months worth of work. Definitely done six months worth of sales, that's for sure. So oh, introducing God. myself. Uh, so you can call me Harvey, as Natalie mentioned. My background, if I just start right from the start, so studied in the University of Birmingham, did economics. Uh, I wanted a career in the banking industry. I was in Barclays Investment Banking and Wealth Management at Canary Wharf for eight years. 
learned my ropes there, did my accountancy qualification, uh, learned all kinds of skills, not just accounting related, but how to speak to people, how to speak to clients, what like a CEO of a business, which you all are in, in this room, uh, would want to see what kind of data you'd want to see, which I think is one of the main differentiating skills that I have. So the clients, there are plenty of clients over here who are with me at the moment, but they know when they phone me, when I speak to them, I don't speak accounting jargon, which is where I think a lot of people don't quite relate to with other accountants. I speak as if anyone can understand, a business owner can understand. So I translate accounting jargon into normal human speak, if you would like to say. Uh, so that's where I learned the ropes. And then I started Smartly Accountants in 2018, actually just before that. Whilst I was at Barclays, I did a side hustle as well, just like a lot of you in this community where you may work a nine to five and you started uh, Amazon FBA on the side. I was doing eBay dropshipping back in 2016 where I'd funnily enough buy from Amazon and sell on eBay. And I still oh, wow. do that to this day uh, with an offshore team in the Philippines completely running it for me. But was quite a big seller. I, a lot of the months I did about 10K profit a month. And then just like Amazon, it, it just depends on how lenient eBay want to be with you, if they want to restrict your sales, if they want to push you. And then we also work with Amazon as buying accounts. So there'll be fluctuation between about 3K to 10K, but I still do that business now, worked very well. On the back of that, because I was the only, I had a community just like Facebook with a Telegram group, I was in a group where I was one of the only accountants in there and a lot of mates in the group who were helping each other out, but, oh, Harvey, can you find my returns for me? Because my accountant doesn't know anything about the business, just doesn't understand it. And I think this is where it's a good time to talk about how Amazon differs to traditional businesses and yeah. brick and motor businesses. Traditional businesses, for example, on my books, I have some IT contractors. IT contractors work for a firm, they send one invoice a week, put a few train expenses, meal expenses, and you're done. I don't need to even be an accountant to do those books. I can literally just enter the receipts manually. I don't need any staff members, don't need an offshore team don't need even any sophisticated software. I can literally look at a receipt, data entry one by one is not going to take me a long time. Whereas Amazon is so transactional, it's unbelievable. It's likewise with eBay, Etsy, Shopify, any e-commerce business, so transactional. So a lot of clients, well not clients back then, but just mates of mine were saying that Harvey, I, I'm literally hitting a brick wall with my accountant, they're just not getting it, I'm trying to explain stuff. Uh, and they're trying to charge me 600 pound for bookkeeping because it's taken an X number of hours. And the accountants aren't wrong as well if they are not used to it and they are taking 50 hours to do one little VAT return, then naturally they would charge that much, but there's just no profit left in it. So I started just doing a few mates VAT returns, accounting, and then I launched my accounting practice off the back of that actually. And then in 2018, I officially launched Smartly um, as a side hustle initially, just whilst I got a few clients. And then in 2020, I think about three weeks before COVID hit, I had left my job. Uh, at the time, I was kind of regretting it because one of the reasons I left my job was the hour and a half commute to London uh, each way. So three hours a day, I spend the commute to Canary Wharf was just killing my time. And I thought, oh, I need to quit. I, my job didn't allow me to work from home at the time. And I thought if I was allowed to work from home, I would have still done my side hustles and launched Smartly at the time. But it was good because it threw me in the deep end. I had to go all in on Smartly. Uh, eBay is running on the side that I don't spend any time on. It. It's purely passive. Like I don't even say hello to my team anymore. That's how rude I am to my team members. But um, <laughs> it, it completely runs that passive that, that they even hear from me other than every two weeks I send the payroll, that's it. And even that someone in my team does for me. So 
that launched Zamartly. At the back end of, uh, so it started with eBay clients mainly, and then a lot of eBay clients, what they used to try to do is they used to try to make the profit of dropshipping, which traditionally is a very unstable business because you have no factors in your hands. You're relying on Amazon, you're relying on eBay, uh, you're relying on staff, you have nothing in your control actually. So they used to always say, I want to make my two, three thousand pound a ten thousand pound and move to Amazon. They also Amazon FBA as the vision, the future where you have, uh, let's call it a proper business. Yeah, the other ones is pure yeah. side hustle. You can't rely on it. You can't live off it. Amazon, they saw the proper business. So a lot of my clients started to venture into Amazon. And at the start, I had no experience in Amazon FBA. So the first thing I did, just like I did eBay, I learned the business. The way I learned it was actually try to sell myself on it. Actually, so a lot of Many people may know that, some people may not know that. I did online arbitrage, a pure vanilla way, which is why it didn't work out for me. I literally just used to buy from Boots, Superdrug, uh, just what everyone starts off with. And this is what I always say to clients, do not do that, because that's what I did. I did it from a point of view, I want to know what kind of reports I need to download from Amazon, what kind of issues do you face, how do Amazon work at the VAT, all that stuff. So I did it from a learning standpoint. So I wasn't concerned. I wasn't making money at Amazon. I stopped very quickly after about three months. But what I always say is, if you imagine anyone who wants to get into the business wants to put the least effort into getting to know the business, because you already have to learn the business. You have to learn how to manage an Excel template for the prep center. You have to work out all these deliveries. If you've got hazmat items and gating items, you already have so much tension that even I said, oh, you know what? I learned the most simplest way. Afterwards, I learned to do wholesale, which is what people say. And then from wholesale, I learned private label. You kind of step up, don't you? And then I heard about Natalie about a year ago where she was selling bundles. I thought, you've got to do something like that to make a profit. Because people like me, even though I knew Amazon had potential, I wasn't willing to put the work in to learn it because I already had my own gig going on. Just like if people have a nine to five, they think, oh, you know what? I can do retail, oh, but I know it's profitable, but I don't have time to go to the retail shops. So the more you do stuff that other people aren't willing to do, that's where you're going to make a profit in this business. Oh, if you go ahead. Yeah, yeah if you're no, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. It's vanilla arbitrage does work, but as a foundation to, you know, whatever you're going to go into. And it does work for a lot of people uh, in terms of, you know, if they're going from lots of different sources and, and and things like that, it's a great gateway business to be able to get into it, to learn the business inside out. You know, that's what I would recommend if anyone's new and they're starting out to learn arbitrage first, because arbitrage is the most complex um, in terms of getting to know the business, which I think is what you're absolutely saying. You know, I think a lot of um, reasons why we're a lot of people are, possibly in the situation that they're in at the moment um and we will talk about the elephant in the room is because um you know in during covid a lot of sellers came in and they were very much sold on the basis of this is a passive business outsource this outsource this you don't need to know this you don't need to know that you don't need to know this and um you know unfortunately when issues occur you know even through uh legitimate sources and things like that i think sometimes when you don't don't take time to get to know the business when issues occur sometimes people are a bit like oh my god what do i do i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and i'm not saying people are in this situation 
you know, very much it's an external reason why people are in uh, the situation that they are with uh, passive tax at the moment. It's, and I'm not blaming anyone or anything like that at all. I just want to make that clear. But the more you get to know a business that you're operating in, when problems occur, the less you panic. I, I think um, because you and but that comes with experience as well. I'm talking, you know, I've personally been in business for over 15 years. So I talk with a 15 years experience uh, at head. So it's a lot easier. You know, when we had our section threes, when we had our suspensions last year, a lot of people said, oh, my God, you're so cool. Why are you so cool about it? Because. I know it'll get resolved. And and the same is with this situation with passive tax. I know it's a big pain in the ass for everyone at the moment and massive. Um, and I know, but it is something you guys will eventually resolve and be able to, to work through essentially. So um, I'm sure you've had lots of worried people you've been speaking to this week, Harvey. I'll come right on to that. Just one thing I want to touch upon. The more involved you are with a business, the more you grow your network because you're physically involved. You're always reaching out for advice. You're always on the Facebook group. You have your network of three, four close people. And that's when you actually figure out solutions to any problems. If you don't speak to anyone because you've got a VAT managing it all, they would never find a solution for you most of the time. But if you are on the Facebook group, you're in the community, you would see even the passive situation. And I had people phone me even yesterday saying, oh, it's the first I heard of it this morning. Yeah, Whereas the people, yeah, Whereas the people on the Facebook groups who they would have seen it on, say, Thursday because they're constantly asking for advice and doing whatever it is. So being in the business, growing your network is really essential for coming through problems, whatever they may be. So let's discuss the elephant in the room, which I'm sure uh, impacts a lot of the group over here. So it's a really, really messy situation, and I've never seen anything like it in my professional career, especially for an accounting business to go down. It's almost unheard of because it's such a, it's not an easy business to manage. Believe me, an accounting business is an incredibly hard business to manage. It's full of labor. It's full of processes. It's full of admin. It's full of litigation. It's a really tough business. But for a business to go down, it's really, really rare. So it's left people in a big mess. Uh, everyone's at different stages. Some people have VATs, which aren't complete, which is a lot of people. Some people have annual accounts, which are due at the end of Jan, which aren't complete. Some people have overdue annual accounts, which were meant to be done in December, but biggest passive weren't working in December. They also are overdue now. There's PAYEs that haven't been done. There's self-assessments at the end of Jan. So everyone's in some, if you were with passive, unfortunately, everyone's got some sort of messy situation. Some people, who have the best situation are the ones where they just had the VAT complete, I don't know, the 6th of December, and they've got two months. But even that's still messy in a way, but that's the best case scenario. It's led to a few things. Of course, um, when something like this happens, people start to lose faith in accountants. I've read something. I've been reading all the Facebook groups all week to see what the reaction is. Some people yeah. lose their faith with accountants. I saw someone say this is the second accountant that's gone down. I've had a phone call with someone who's onboarded to me who's asked, what do you suggest with backing up your data? Because now if everyone couldn't get into zero, they would have lost their data. They said, when they move over to me, do they suggest backing up every quarter? Um, people have concerns. If everyone from passive moved to Smartly, would Smartly be overloaded? Are we the next one to go down? Um, and do we have the team in place to handle this stuff? And they're all fair concerns, to be fair to you. But let me address each of them in order. And my job here today is to give everyone reassurance. So if I do it in reverse order, number one, if everyone moves from passive to one accountant, Zamatli, 
what would happen? Are we going to be overloaded? Are the service of our existing clients going to go down? Can we handle all these people? So what people don't know is, uh, or some people, our existing clients know because our existing clients, and you know who you are, have been raving on about us since 2023. I think about Feb 2023 was when we've had our first public post publicly in these groups to say, just moved over to Smartly, they love us. Uh, it's been so much better than our previous accountant. Think it done on time, it's hassle-free, so friendly, even if you don't understand something. I think, Cindy, I know you were in the group. I remember when you first came over to us, you did a public post to say, oh, you were unsure of going back and forth in emails. And I just said, hey, Cindy, let's jump on a call. And you were so happy with that. So people have been recommending us since 2023, and we onboarded so many clients in 2023 from not just from passive but other competitors too so we had already forecasted that was our biggest growth year 2023 actually took us off the map so we already forecasted in 2024 that we would get at least around 100 clients in god's honest truth we already expected that we didn't expect it to happen in by the first week of jan of course (laughs) but we really expected it at some point in the year by may we'll you know we'll kind of get some 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 uh, somewhere close to that so in december we'd already put recruitment plans in place to hire four accountants for the second of jan we didn't expect them to be busy until about may time when we thought they'd be about 70 percent capacity and then we hire again but we already have the resource in place and we're kind of we're kind of grateful for that because it means it reduces my cost as well because they're all active they're all busy so that's why i'm saying to people uh, to the ones who have signed up with me already they would know from the conversation their vat returns due next month some are overdue and I've, even the ones that are overdue i said no problem we get it done by friday Anyone who have annual accounts due at the end of this month, so no problem, that's enough time for us. Your VAT is due next month, no problem. And I wouldn't say that with such assurance if I didn't have a team in place. I'm going to double my recruitment plans, of course, to prepare further, because I'm expecting a lot more clients to come, but we already have a team in place, plus we're hiring more. And this is a really great thing, because all it does is it gives us more financial power to specialize in more recruitment roles. So for example, one of the plans I had this year was, everyone gets quarterly financial performance debts because this business is so dynamic you can make a profit really quick more fast than any other business if you think of any other business it will take you people say oh if you break even within a year that's amazing in this business you can make a profit within your first month and you want to keep on top of your finances at the same time you can also make losses because if you're not keeping on top of your repricer softwares, it's easy to go into a loss because you think, oh, I'm making money somewhere, but it's just in stock and it's easy to lose track as well. So we give quarterly financial performance updates to all of our VAT clients at the moment, but we're moving to doing that for all clients. Whether you have a VAT return or not, we're still going to do it. So we sent emails on this about two months ago that we're going to do this. And this is why we also hired the team in place. So we're giving those kind of perform, giving those kind of things. But what we want to do is, on the back end of giving those performance decks every quarter, we want someone to come in, and I would always wanted to do this, where someone just comes and explains the numbers to everyone individually in a 15-minute slot and yeah. gives the clients the chance to say what concerns they have, uh, just a back-and-forth client interaction. I want the accountant and the client to be really, really close. And before, I couldn't afford that because... Oh, I could afford it, but that person would also have to do another role because they never had enough clients to speak to in in a three-month cycle. But now because that becomes a full-time role, it means I can put a specialist in that role who just specializes with addressing your concerns, discussing the financials. So those kind of things become possible with scale. But that's where we – and then 
So that's kind of smart living overloaded is not the case at all. The second one I want to address is losing faith in accountants, backing up your data every quarter. To be honest, you can do that. There's no harm in it. But I would say it's not necessary. I understand from my point of view, I'm saying it from an accountant. If you've been through a situation, you're kind of, um, you know, you felt the pain of this happening. Yeah. You're more emotional. But it's so rare that an accountant goes down that I wouldn't, me personally, I wouldn't waste your time trying to back stuff up. If you ever were to leave an accountant, whether it be me or someone else, they would always give you that data. They always pass it. We've never had an issue before getting professional clearance of other people as well. So your data for go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and I think even in this situation, obviously it looked at, at the outset like people wouldn't be able to get their information from zero but even zero have come in and they've and they've been granting um you know temporary access for people which we'll come on and talk about in a later stage and also in some cases transferring accounts and things like that if it's your data you're entitled to it so i that's think it. that's the most important thing regardless of whether it's held by someone that goes into financial ruin or you know a, a software provider I absolutely agree. So I would just have complete assurance that, look, don't worry. Don't think, oh, if my next accountant goes down, I need to always have my data. Your data is always safe. It's somewhere in the software, whether it's with me, someone else, it's always in the cloud somewhere that you can always get access. Plus, very, very unlikely the situation will ever happen again. So I wouldn't worry about going extra because it's, it's going to waste your time that you can spend on your business. You know, don't waste your time on that. It's always safe. And most accountants always work off the cloud now in 2023, 2024, I should say. Sorry. Uh, it's made part of making tax digital. So your data is always there. Um, yeah, I just want bit... to circle back and touch on that, Harvinder, if that's okay, because um, I just want to reiterate what Harvey said there about it being so rare. Before my last job, before uh, I came into the full time world of being self employed, uh, was I actually used to recruit accountants, and so I actually did that. That's what I used to do. I used to recruit accountants, so I worked with thousands of practices about well, thousands sorry no hundreds of practices lots of different company dealt with thousands of people and i think in my whole time that i was there i didn't even hear about one time about uh, an accountant going down going out of business we heard about accountants retiring obviously passing their business on to so but you know accountants tend to retire and sell their businesses they don't go out of business so i just want to reiterate again you know even from my point of view from working in the accounting uh, accountancy industry uh, albeit 15 years ago for uh, five years which is what i did that you know it was something that just wasn't talked about. It was unheard of. And, you know, we're not being disrespectful to passive tax. But what we are saying is it's very, very rare. So uh, but I appreciate everyone's going to be a bit once bitten, twice shy um, and a little bit nervous about, um, you know, going with another accountant. But ultimately, you guys have to go with another accountant you know it's there are certain things within your business that you cannot do yourself uh so therefore you have to take that leap of faith uh, again unfortunately so. absolutely i totally agree with all of that uh it's great to hear that you were a recruiter and you must have been a good one if you recruited me to come here today <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Yeah, actually, no, I feel I've I've wound back the uh I've wound back the clock 15 years. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, one one advice on that as well, and this is not a push to come to me or anything. 
I read one comment which I replied to earlier on in the early hour this morning. Of course, there are loads of accountants available. Feel free to go to whoever you wish. Um, I read someone recommend. So one thing I wouldn't recommend, and the only reason I say this, I get a lot of clients that come to me on the back of this and they complain a lot, is going to a local high street accountant. The reason is, there, so there are e-commerce specialist accountants and there are high street accountants. If my book was about 85% e-com, I still took other clients on, but it's about 85% e-com. For eBay, Amazon, and the other two I kind of do manually, but those two are the biggest platforms, I've automated everything I possibly can in that business. I understand everything. I understand every report. I know how to read it. I, if a client asks me something, I know how to answer it. It's because it was in my invested interest to, one, be knowledgeable so that I could speak to people. Because the last thing I want is someone to go on Facebook or Google reviews or Trustpilot reviews to say, this guy doesn't know anything about him than FBA or my business, right? It's the last thing I wanted. So I educated myself so that I can answer any query. The business changes very quickly. So in the last six months, you may say our oh, accounting doesn't change, it's just enter invoices and the system is not the case. In the last six months, I had an increase of people uh, having UK limited companies selling in the US, getting VAT reclaims, some of which you want to change to a monthly VAT process. If you're claiming money from HMRC, you are under a high chance that you will get audited and investigated. So yeah. your invoice system would have to be really on point You've got to be prepared. You've got to be making your 20% and 0% perfect as opposed to, you've got to be good anyway, but if you were paying HMRC, you really are under the radar in all honesty. So that business model is new. And if you say that to a person who's not used to it, they're like, oh, wait, I'm doing VAT refunds. I don't know what to do. But if I had 10 people in the same month come to me, I said, okay, look, this is a change in the business plan now. We're seeing a trend of people do this. We've got to be on guard for this. We've got to make sure our processes are clean. We've got to make sure we file everything to perfection. Otherwise, we'll get into a lot of litigation. Not only you will get into litigation, I myself will get into litigation filing stuff as an accountant. Uh, the reports layout in Amazon change all the time. So every time the Amazon seller dashboard, every time, every about six months, we kind of have to update our notes because Amazon have a brand new layout, brand new reports, new inventory report, new this. You would only stay on top of that if you have an invested interest. If I have 85% of my clients doing this, I'm going to go in, make a new guide for my team on how to download the latest report. If you are only, I don't know, five clients out of 100 that I have, I'm going to focus on my restaurants, my other business, automate those. For those, I think most people here would probably be UK British citizens, but for any sellers who were living in another country, so I've seen a lot of like Pakistani sellers who have a UK company, the laws have changed with Amazon there. So technically speaking, you can have a US LLC, but if you're in the UK, is not classified properly as a US LLC. You have to incorporate where you live, okay? Or where you have a residency, a tax residency. So if you are a UK resident, you have a UK limited company and you sell in the US, that's the right way to do it. You wouldn't create a US LLC, very important. In the same way, I've seen Pakistani people come over to me from Pakistan, I say, they created a UK limited company, sold on Amazon. They got away with it. Amazon didn't care. They let them sell. Not a problem. It's against HMRC law, but it's not against Amazon, Amazon laws at that time. Amazon weren't so fussy on it. Now, I've seen a few people come to me, not my clients. They just came to me like, what do I do now? It's almost a little bit too late to come to me now. But Amazon are holding all their money. The reason is if you are a foreign seller, 
you have to register for VAT on day one. You can sell in the UK, not a problem, but you have to be VAT registered. So these people were selling in the UK without being VAT registered because they had a UK company without VAT. And now Amazon are saying, look, you owe £20,000 in VAT and we're not releasing any money until you pay that VAT liability off first. They're in a pickle. There is potentially a way to solve that. The way to solve is not guaranteed to work, but my advice if that situation does occur to and has occurred is you have to basically show UK operations. You have to show, even if you're living abroad, all your decision making takes place in the UK. How can you do that? You could say you're an investor. It's, again, it's not guaranteed to work, but this would be my advice if you were stuck. You're an investor. You have a UK employee. You would ideally put someone on payroll in the UK to show payroll submissions. You would say all your buying occurs in the UK, your staff is in the UK, your prep centers in the UK, and you send stuff to Amazon in the UK. I think without the UK employee, that doesn't become plausible. And ideally a UK office as well. Then you have a chance. If you do that, there's a good chance you could make it. I can't promise anything, but you have to show something of that nature. So it's very important to incorporate where you are there. But this is me showing how Amazon changes the, uh, yeah. changes the goalpost. This wasn't an issue last month, it's an issue this month. You know, so it's and if you were only five of my clients and the rest of the restaurant, I wouldn't bother even coming up with a solution because I know this could happen a lot. I do my research in the same way where I may have five restaurants on my book and I don't automate that business because I think it's only five clients. I just do it on an old school invoice basis. And when if I'm doing stuff on an invoice basis, entering stuff manually, I'm racking up my hours and I'm going to charge that client premium. I'm going to charge them £400 a month because they're taking so much of my time. Whereas if you go to an e-com specialist, technically speaking, your fees should be lower. My fees are very, very competitive uh, because of that reason. I have the scale behind me. I have the process. I have the team. All my team know how to deal with this. If you were my one client and I have automated it, I'll be charging you per hour, which will uh, inflate the price. So that's the reason I wouldn't go to high street accountant. By all means, go to anyone else you wish to. You have freedom of choice but try to stick to uh, an accountant who has dealt with e-commerce is my advice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Simon asked a really good question here, actually. So we'll, sure. we'll just jump on uh, here where it says, uh, it's great um, filling in your knowledge and experience, but what about when it comes to recruitment on the rest of the team? What level do you start with? Do they have similar experience to yourself? Um, you know, is it new to them? If you can just give us a bit more detail on that. That is a very, very good question. Well done on that question. Very good. So I had a lot of trouble in the past with this when I first started out for about the first two and a half years. I used to recruit people and just like other accountants, they used to have to enter every invoice in and uh, they would say, for this one accountant, I'm going to charge you, me as my staff member, like 400 pound for doing my account. And I'm saying, look, I'm charging like 169 pounds. How are you going to charge me as my staff member 400 pounds? And I even then uh, hired in the UK, I had someone sit next to me and he's like, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I was saying, look, these clients, I know past they were charging about 250, 350, none of my business, but even if you charge that much, if my staff member is telling me he's going to charge me 400 pounds, even at that level, you can't do it, you know? So I had a lot of trouble with this in the past. And what I do now, what I've done since then is I've not kept, I have labor on my team, of course, you need labor, otherwise you can't do the business. But I've improved my systems massively. The way it works is we create AI machine learning where we take your transactions and it automatically categorizes a lot of the transactions for us. So we know, for example, if we see something called the hive, we'll mark it as trading. 
your staff training. If we see something called seller toolkit, we would it wouldn't even say seller toolkit, it would say go cardless, I think 32.99 or 34.99. We know that's seller toolkit and we put a VAT rate of 20%. If we say if we see helium 10, we know that's a US software, we market a software, we market zero percent. So automatically uh, categorize a lot of the transactions that are common amongst all of them. So what I train my staff to do, you need to have zero knowledge. One, I take them on a training program first. So all, everyone's on a training program for at least two weeks with me, where I bring them up to speed with how to read the Amazon reports, how to do this, how to do that. Plus I train them on how to run the system more than bring your knowledge from the last five years. Of course, we need that, especially when you file annual accounts, you need to know stuff like depreciation, how to count your inventory and your balance sheet. We need all accountant knowledge, but I try to, translate what's different on this part of the business by yeah, process so they have regular accounting experience obviously uh, yeah that's it they have the regular accounting experience which is essential to do annual accounts more so than vats but i try to do a training program with them i try to um, that's why i hired four together so i train them up to speed at the same time as opposed to one at a time plus we're very process driven very very good processes and we have to and are they going through qualification or are they qualified. qualified? So we only we only hire people who tend to be ACCA qualified. ACCA. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I mean, you can't have more of an assurance than that. Yeah. One, one thing we don't do. So I, I want to touch upon this as well, because I've also had questions on this. And I don't know how people feel, to be honest with you. And when I first started, I used to always think, oh, I need all UK staff. And I definitely show UK front. And sometimes you have offshore staff show UK front. I offshore. I think any business in 2023, you need to offshore. Otherwise, I could have UK staff, I could charge you 400 quid, you'll still be unhappy. So I do offshore, but our offshoring is part of the Zamartly organization. These people are contracted with us. They're working full-time solely with us. We know what expectation of VAT returns they should do in a day, what annual accounts they do with a day. We're all on Microsoft Teams. We have regular team meetings. We know everything about every client. It doesn't take me long. I can open a brand new VAT return without seeing anything, without seeing the work. And I can see it. I can figure it out straight away within five minutes. I can jump on a client call. So, yes, we do offshore. Uh, that's how we are able to afford such competitive prices. But they are part of the Zamartly organization. They're very well trained. Everything goes to two, three checks before anything gets filed. And we're all in touch with each other. It's not a case where we have an outsourced team, which is not part of Zamartly. This is all in-house uh, employees effectively. Just how many of you would have uh, VAs in the Philippines? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, thanks for the transparency. I know you say that on your calls anyway as well. So it's, you know, it's not anything that you're hiding about. And look, we're, you know, we're, we're having this conversation and situation now based on a UK accountants with UK staff going insolvent. So, you know, there's no guarantees anyway with if you're UK based or not UK based um, or anything. So I, I don't think anyone's got issues with that as, as long as you're transparent about it, which you clearly are. So thank you for clarifying that. Really appreciate well it. Um, just a couple of people talking about local accountants. Uh, I think, you know, now more local accountants do have that kind of e-commerce experience, especially if they're dealing with, um, you know, if they've been going for a long time. You know, I've always opened, we, we, we've used the same accountant for X amount of years because when we originally joined them, um, they actually had uh, one of the UK's largest Amazon sellers. So we were really lucky uh, in, in that respect. So, you know, they already knew Amazon inside out. But it comes down to the questions that you ask. And uh, for anyone 
that is considering whether it be going with Harvey or anyone else, I actually posted uh, a list of some questions yesterday in the group of things that you can ask and you know this is what today's session is about as well so um you know harvey's here to help uh, essentially and you're here to offer advice reassurance and that's that is the key word here i wanted people to be reassured that whatever is happening you know that big elephant in the room with passive tax going insolvent that and you're quite right as well, Harvey, there are people that are still finding out about it. I think there are probably people that are still, you know, maybe are going to watch this replay that don't even know it's happened or, or, or whatever. So, you know, because obviously not only is it a very unusual situation, unfortunately, and I'm not here to slag anyone off. I'm not here to, you know, talk trash about anyone but not only is it a very unusual situation but the communication was incredibly poor as well um so people were in you know a bit of a double situation normally in an insolvency situation now i one thing i do want to clarify there are things uh because i've seen some com some conflicting information insolvency situations like i said especially for accountants are very rare we've already established that but in the original statement, there was a few things said about not being allowed to talk about things and not being allowed. Now, I know in certain circumstances, you're not allowed to talk about certain things in insolvency case. Is there anything you can clarify there in, in relation to that as to why, you know, if people might be feeling aggrieved as to why the communication or, or was there no reason for it, essentially? Uh, I wouldn't be able to comment, to be fair. I wouldn't know myself, uh, having been through an insolvency. I would say, I, I saw the post about not ruining people's Christmases, but then it could have come out on the 2nd of Jan, is my viewpoint, my personal viewpoint. I, I do, yeah, I personally feel in that situation. Uh, that's the only thing I think he was kind of a little bit damned if he did, damned if he didn't, because if he'd have told everyone before Christmas, then obviously everyone would have said, you ruined our Christmas, you did this, you did that. And by the way, I'm not defending any actions here whatsoever. But obviously the right decision, in my opinion, would have been to do it before Christmas because then people would have had an opportunity. I think people, you know, we don't live in the 1800s, you know, uh, business doesn't shut down for you know two weeks over Christmas there's normal operating hours over Christmas and you know I feel especially for those people who were having that due or end of year um, due then obviously they might have had a few extra days uh, to sort things out and you know yes I think one of the important things to understand is shit happens at the end of the day and not you know everything is rainbows and unicorns all the time and yes i understand um people want to you know save people as much aggravation and torment as much as possible but at the end of the day like whoever said that uh simon said honesty is the best policy there's no doubt about it so i think we can all agree that there's some big lessons uh you know learned and even i've le learned some lessons you know from from this situation uh, about communication and, and, and things like that as well. I think we can all take something from it. So in the immediate aftermath, if there is anyone that is watching this now, Harvey, that still doesn't know what to do, um, regardless of whether they're going to come to you or go anywhere else, what is, what is the first thing that they need to do if they have not taken action already? Sure. So 
if you have first thing to do is get your data before anything, whoever you want to go to get your data secured. You should have received an email from Zero automatically is what I've heard, but if you haven't, raise the support ticket. Zero don't have a phone number, unfortunately. I know it's 2024, one of the biggest accounting software there is. I wonder why do I have a phone number if they don't have a phone number? But you have to raise the support ticket, they do get back to you within literally like a few hours. Raise the support ticket, explain your situation, get your account active. I think it gets active about 14 days, okay? If you want to go to an accountant who uses Zero, you can just take out your subscription and you can transfer it to them afterwards. If you go to me, we don't use Zero. we have our own system, so you can just get your data and cancel it. I have put on a guide on uh, the Facebook group on how you can download the Zero data. Uh, Matt has also put in a video on how you can download the Zero data. Just follow those resources and download your data first and foremost. Everyone was on Link My Books uh, with Passive Tax, download your invoices. I can't comment on how to do that, but I think it's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. You download all your invoices from the past, Again, if you come over to us, we don't use Link My Books, so you can cancel it. If you want to go to someone else, keep it in place for now. Maybe keep it in place for a month while you make your decision. So get your data secured is the first and foremost thing. Second thing is look at your accounting deadlines. That's VAT, annual accounts, PAYE as well, which should have been filed for December if you were on payroll, uh, and self-assessments at the end of Jan. Look at those, see which deadlines apply to you before you make your move. Of course, if you're overdue, you've got a deadline due at the end of this month or 7th of Feb, you need to move pretty quick. If you don't have something due for another two months, maybe you want to take your time, speak to other people, it's, it's up entirely up to you, your choice is yours. The way I've reassured everyone, so what I had calls from Thursday when it wasn't even clear on zero, and the people who phoned me on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I did it calls on the weekend, they would know I said this. I said there are three things that normally happen. Well, there are three potential scenarios here. Number one, we normally email passive tax and we get all your data from them. We didn't expect a reply, but we said we're going down that route anyway. But if that doesn't, if we don't get a reply, we then need to go to zero directly. Now, in this situation, at that time, the license was held by passive tax. You weren't allowed into your account. I said, as a director of the company, you should be able to get your data. So raise a support ticket, explain the situation, and hopefully they give it to you. I said it's 50-50. They can give it to you. Or they can say the license is held with passive tax, sorry, they have to approve it. In that situation, we run to a third and last option where we say we can't get your previous data. I have to work out everything manually myself. And everyone knows I said this for who signed up. I said, even if it comes to a third option, I won't charge you any fees. I would just charge you for the latest VAT return that I have to do. And for the rest, I will help you out as a goodwill builder because I see this as a 10-year business, which shows I'm not going out of business anytime soon. I'm here to support you through your hard times. I'm here to make your process easier for you not to pay double fees. Even if it means I have to take a profit hit myself for three, four months, I will take that hit because I want you to just come in, I do your VAT return, you pay for it, and I don't say to you, oh, I might charge you back into the account if I can't get zero, I can't get passive tax, and then I'm gonna give you a two grand bill. I don't want that question mark looming over your head because yeah. you've been under enough stress already. I want to waive that situation, say, look, either way, I will resolve it. You have complete assurance. Second thing, because I'm taking on so many passive clients, touch wood, it may long may continue, but it's down to me to almost give you the solution. If I took on one client, I wouldn't, I would say, look, you have to get your data, otherwise I can't do anything. But because I'm taking so many, it's down to me, and I sent an email out to all my clients yesterday, I sent a guide in the Facebook group, I go, these are the steps, right? You need to do this, do this, do this. And we will get every one of your clients through this situation. So no matter how bad it is, 
how overdue you are, how little time you have, we will get every single one of you out of the situation. Whether you have your data, you don't have your data, whether we need to do backdated stuff, we don't need to do backdated stuff, whatever the scenario, it's going to be quite common that you're not going to be the only one of our clients in that situation. We're going to have tens of you in that situation. So we will give you all a solution to get through it and we give you the reassurance that we're not going to charge backdated fees as well. And we will have a solution for every single part so we'll handhold you through the whole process is what we are doing so complete reassurance on our side do not stress i know it's easy to, for me to say that but it's another thing doing it but don't stress we'll, we'll be at, we'll be fine we'll work yeah, together that's... through the challenge well you can't ask fairer than that guys um quick question i wanted to ask because obviously a lot of people are finding themselves in a situation that they weren't expecting to find themselves in some people are logging into their accounts some people are, are checking their company profile on company's health and realizing that they're in an overdue situation or a potential fine situation or something like that um for anyone that's in that situation well first of all i would advise anyone go in and look on company's house i was i was on a call with someone on friday and first question i asked was you're not with massive tax are you and they said yes i was uh but a year ago everything's fine i've moved over and i signed up my accounts in december my year end so everything's fine and i said well should we go in and check just to make sure when in accounts overdue biggest shock i think that he had that weekend you know not expecting that to happen obviously called hmrc you know sort it out and you know um you know is in the process of sorting it out so i would also say one top tip even if you think and you've been with passive tax anytime in the last 12 months i would recommend going in and double checking if there is anything outstanding or overdue because a lot of people with passive tax use their address so any presumably any demands etc were going to their address and they I can't say whether or not they were telling people or not telling people, but obviously people were not aware of the situation. So please do your own due diligence. And even if you have been assured that it has been done, please go in and check. Secondly, Harvey, for people that have gone in and found that they're in one, either a fine situation or an overdue, about to be issued a fixed notice penalty, what, what can be done there? Anything or... Yes. It's a very good question. So one of the steps that we're telling people as well, are uh, number one, phone HMRC so they can log it down that you phoned in, you explain the situation. Number two, the fines are different for different scenarios. So VAT is one department. With VAT, if you're overdue, you get a penalty point and they give you three and then they start to put you on like a big watch list. So a penalty point is not the biggest thing in the world, but what they try to do is they try to give you a fine as a fixed percentage of whatever VAT you submit. So if it's the first time, you can normally get it waived quite easily. It's just a matter of first you file the VAT, then you go to your HMRC government gateway login and you appeal it and you tell them the exact scenario and it's perfectly, it's, an, it's an, a complete exemption situation. So you should should win that battle. You just have to hope it's not a robot approving it on the other side and it's actually a human book. You just give a detailed example. And that's where the phone call comes in as well. If it's annual accounts, so... The way annual accounts work are this. You have annual accounts, which is the deadline from company's house. Company's house and HMRC are two separate departments, like Amazon and eBay in a way. Company's house will give you a fine, normally about 150 quid if you're within 30 days. And that fine increases, 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 starts to double like every month. So get those accounts filed ASAP. 
corporation tax deadlines are normally three months after. Technically, you're meant to pay it at the same date your company accounts get filed, but you get three months more to file it. So you won't get a fine from HMRC unless you're more than three months late, effectively, is the way to think of it. Again, companies house have the own appeal process. They are notoriously tough to weigh fines off. I had a client who unfortunately was deceased and they still upheld the fine. I'm like, how is the person meant to do anything? And it's crazy. But I think that's where a robot was there. We wrote again and then they waved it off. But wow. again, again, you have to that's appeal. Hard. You have to appeal and then you have to phone. Yeah, right. that's another thing. Third tip is if your accounts are about to be due and you think with us, if it's, the, it's normally at the end of each month, so if anyone comes to us and they have the deadlines of 31st of Jan, we should be able to do it, no problem. If you go with anyone else, or you leave the decision last minute and you can't do it, I would recommend just filing zero returns. Just file anything on company's house. Get it done, it won't be late, and then resubmit an adjusted return. So that way you stay in line with the deadline, and then you send them the readjusted return. It causes pain though, to send readjustments, it's a it's a longer process, and your accountant won't thank you for it. But it can be done. Plus, you can extend deadlines too, so you can uh, change your accounting period to extend deadlines. So try to use everything you can. Try to extend deadlines, appeal. If worst case, not if you extended already and you're still late, then file like a zero return and adjust it after. That's a last resort, but that's a, a little trick that you can use trick of the trade top tip there guys but please 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 as harvey says that is to be used last in like a last case scenario i think the key here is not sticking your head in the sand picking up the phone Absolutely. i know a lot of people don't like picking out the phone i i've been in a situation um where you know someone's asked me to recommend an account and i've recommended harvey and um you know Harvey, you're straight away yeah when when's cool and people are surprised like oh sorry you actually call people because no one calls <laughs> each other anymore, you know, essentially. But it is, it's about re-establishing that communication. I suppose the way I think about it is the business that we do, how we operate, the services, uh, the strategies that we use, accountancy, all of these different dynamics of so many different arms and are so fluid and ever-changing on Amazon. But I tell you what never changes, and that is the HMLC uh, and the tax man and the VAT man, that never changes, you know, so they stay exactly the same. And the best form of communication is picking up the phone and talking to them, you know, and I think it's contrary to, I, you know, we've talked about this loads and loads of times before. So hopefully this isn't new information to people. The HMRC, they are there to help, you know, they're not there to, you know, constantly uh, berate and tell off and fine, you know, they're, they're there as an advisory service as, as, uh, as, well, as a government, a government public service at the end of the day. So, you know, if they can help, they actually will. And you'll even look by Mark Hawley's own testament, the fact, whether or not we know what is said is true in that or not, but even in their scenario, which is a very rare scenario with HMRC as their biggest creditor, they were trading for, you know, sort of 12 months in trouble with the HMRC. And, um, you know, by his own admission, by the way, before anyone like sues me or anything like that, that's what he said. Um, so it, it, it's one of those things that you always, always should pick up the phone and talk to them. You know, that's, that's definitely one of the best things to do. Um, one thing with that, sorry, just to add, so passive tax would have been a registered agent on your account. So 
if you were to appeal a fine, phone them, they can definitely see that, okay, you were registered to passive tax. Passive tax has issues with HMRC. It's hundreds of clients that have the same issue. They can map that up on their system. It'll be on the CRM. Yeah, and adding extra weight, no doubt, to uh, passive tax woes. But we are not here to talk about those, uh, unfortunately. Um, right, uh, and that's what I wanted today to be about, because I know that there's some really angry people um, out there, and quite rightly so. This is not something, especially when you've paid for a service, that you expect to happen. It does happen. It's very rare as, you know, we well, it happens in normal business. You know, I'm sure everyone's been in a situation where they've paid something out and someone's gone, business has gone down or something like that. So that's not an unusual situation. The unusual situation is very rarely happens to accountants, you know, because there are, as I understand it, bigger consequences for if it happens to people in financial institutions. And I know that everybody's really, really angry. And what I want people, I want to focus on solutions and not what's happened because there's nothing anybody can change, you know, in, in the past. I want to I want to get people sorted moving forward, making sure that they're happy and they've got the reassurance and confidence to be able to move forward and continue as opposed to focusing on the anger. If need be, you can come back to the anger later. You can register yourself as one of the um you know creditors you can go down and see the liquidation process you can go through all of that you know i wouldn't encourage anyone to do that because i'm about looking forward as opposed to looking back but reassurance if anyone wants it and i hopefully harvey can back me up on this is that rightly or wrongly anyone involved in in that company and that situation i.e mark and his family and everything like that you know they made their living on financial institutions and presumably after this they won't be able to work in financial institutions uh you know again for a period of time certainly so there is going to be consequences sorry to interrupt this amazing episode of beyond the buy box but there's just something i need to tell you about i'm matthew one of the founders of beyond the buy box and have you heard of the hive are you tired of navigating the challenges of online selling alone? It's time to join a community that understands your journey and has the expertise to help you thrive. Well, welcome to The Hive. Inside The Hive, we're not just a community. We're a mastermind set of individuals committed to your success. Education is at the core of The Hive. With a steady flow of content and weekly interactive live sessions, you'll not only learn about advanced selling strategies, but also discover how effectively to sell across a diverse range of platforms and in various global markets. Network with fellow business owners, share experiences, and keep yourself accountable. Your success is influenced by who you choose to spend your time with. Access invaluable resources from exclusive pre-recorded content to a constantly expanding collection of templates, guidelines, standing operating procedures, and so much more. It's always up to date so you can be confident to stay steps ahead of the competition with the Hive community. Join the Hive today and experience the transformative support you need in the challenging journey of e-commerce. Visit the link below to become a member of the Hive and unlock the door to your e-commerce success. Don't miss out on the Hive advantage. Join the Hive community where success is a collective journey. You guys have made him, well, you guys haven't made him really busy. Uh, it's not his fault. Uh, so uh, we we are sticking to the hour as much as possible. I want to answer, there's a few people there talking about, do you recommend getting zero, having your own subscription? My personal thing is I know Matt writes, Matt Chromies, Johnny, we all have our own 
zero and link my book subscriptions because we want to be in control of our own data. Now, obviously, we're all established businesses and their business costs to us. Presumably, if you're newer in business, I understand added costs, but you know, I know I personally recommend having that, you know, and being in control of my own data. Harvey, you might recommend something else, obviously, but, you know, for us, it's just a business cost at the end of the day. And, um, you know, we, we want to have that level of control of our own data. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a small cost as well. Like I, I have one client who works in the film industry and Ooh, in filming, right. it's really good, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be, I've got my credits as Martley in quite a few films actually uh, at the end, Ooh. so it's really good. And with filming, they get VAT refunds, massive refunds. Like I've got this client £400,000 in the last 12 months. Genuine refund, they purchase stuff and I claim up the VAT. Plus they get a tax credit from the government where for any UK money spent, they get 20% back in a tax rebate. So I've got them over half a million pounds in the last 12 months. And only a few accountants can actually do that in the whole UK. I'm one of that like, four accountants that that are that is in the industry. The client wants to wrap up that company. He's uh, not doing any more films in that company for the next year. He's doing it in another company. And he goes to me, can I cancel my zero subscription? And it's about £34 that goes out every month. And I thought, I've got you half a million pounds <laughs> because... I've got the zero subscription where I'm submitting it and you don't want to pay £35 for the next six months while you're not trading. I go, what are you doing? Like, be real, right? You can save costs in other places. Everyone pays a seller around, pays a seller toolkit. It's not that big a cost to your softwares. But if you wanted the pros and cons, so I'm agreement, I think just suck it up as a cost and pay for it. Accountants do, and you sometimes do get deals as personal. You get like six months free or six months at a low cost. Accountants also get good subscriptions where you may want to speak to them if they offer zero because they may and ask what price they give because we get that packages where okay, you sign up 10 clients and you get this price so you can weigh up cost if cost is an option for you but if you want a complete control you can have it on your own it's entirely up to you that's the pros and cons i don't think it's that big a deal to have it yourself it gives you that comfort and control mm -hmm. in all honesty no, I agree. Right. I just want to answer two more questions, if that's all right with you, Harvey. Um, we've got Stephanie Zero. She's saying, that Steph, um, she's saying that Zero won't give her any of the access. So that's quite unusual because as far as we're aware, they are granting it. They're granting it temporarily for for 14 days. So is there anything you can offer there to, to sort of why she's not been able to get it? Uh, I'm the same as you, that's what I've heard. I, I think it's a case of just raising another sport ticket, clarifying your situations with passive tax, telling other people I've been, been getting access for 14 days, even mention you're happy to pay if you need to, and I think you should be able to get it granted, even if it's for a short yeah, um, Andre in the chat for this live did actually put a template of what he sent um to zero for for the email as, as raising the ticket stephanie so i would also have a look at that as well let me know if you're not added to the chat and i'll try and figure out how to how to add you there um and then finally we've got luke's ones here uh how hard is it going to be for us to get reference numbers that we need for a new accountant from passive tax question mark i doubt they are going to supply these going forward and i can see issue with changing business addresses and because a lot of companies were obviously registered at passive taxes um premises weren't they 
Yeah, absolutely. So there's something called a, when you form your companies, you'll get two references. One is a UTR number, which comes from HMRC unique tax reference. One is a company's house authentication code. It's about five to six characters long. You need to have that authentication code. If you have that, you can change it instantly online within a second. Uh, you just go to company's house, you file a return and you change your address. If in the situation you said, our oh, passive tax had that letter and you don't have any record of it, definitely do look because even if I register a company and it comes to me, I will send it on. Or if you ask for it, I'll give it to you. But if you don't have that, then there's something called, if you write this down, an AD01 form, Alpha Delta 01. It's like a paper form where you don't need an authentication code, but you write all your details down, you sign it and you post it out and that will change your address. It's just that paper obviously takes a lot longer, so it may take a few weeks, uh, whereas the first option is very in instantaneous. But those are your two options for changing address. Yeah, and I definitely recommend guys having an external address, so uh, a business address. Matt Cromie uses one, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, do you have a recommendation for registered business address? Uh, I'm going to go on the opposite view here, unfortunately. Oh. So we used to use uh, a registered address from Companies Made Simple. And it was cheap, but 60 to, eight, 60 to 100 quid a year, depending on if you're first year, second year. And they'll scan all your posts and they'll scan the HMRC posts and rip the others up. The reason why I go against it is because we've had cases where we've registered clients using that address. We used to heavily use that as well. And the VAT registration process already takes 40 days. And we found a period where it's taking about 60 days. And we're like, Jesus Christ, this is going like ridiculous. What's HMRC doing? And you phone HMRC, they say, yeah, there's a big backlog, big backlog, which is true. But then we found out afterwards, actually, the company wasn't scanning the post in right away. So if you imagine they're getting post, you have to wait for them to scan it in. It takes a few days and then you get it. So even that 40-day window goes to 45 days because they scan it in. But they were like a month backlog behind. So the reason we knew it was because when they're scanning the post, it would say something like, I don't know, 26 December on the post, 2023, and it'll get scanned in on the 14th of Jan. I was like, hold on a minute, HMRC would have, HMRC aren't delayed, it's actually the company. So maybe you need to just research a reputable one, and maybe we used a bad option, maybe. It wasn't it didn't used to be bad, but we found a good period where they were bad. So I recommend uh, an accountant's address is normally quite good, like we're quite good on it on our post. Some people don't mind using the home address, but I do not advise. The reason is, as Natalie mentioned, people would know where you live. And that data, okay, let's imagine the case of passive tax. I don't want to say anything too much, but if you knew Mark Hawley's actual address, I'm sure a lot of people would be paying a visit over there. And that's not data that should be given out in public, right? Same way you may piss off, uh, I did eBay dropshipping and something you piss off the actual customer because you sell them something, it comes in an Amazon box and they think, hold on a minute, I paid five pounds extra for this. And if they know where you live, they might come knocking on your door. And I have had a case where someone has come to a client's door over like a couple of quid because they feel really ripped off. So you never know what, and it could be something that happened in your personal life. Either you aggravated someone, something went the wrong way. They do a data digging, they know where you live. So I really advise going against your personal address, but if you did want to, it's a free option. But I'd go with the accountant's address or just do some research on a reputable uh, business address. Maybe I chose a bad option. Could have been my fault. But that's just one thing I saw is, the letter goes to them, then they scan it in, and if they are getting too many letters, or I, I I did one even recently where one of the film clients that I mentioned, he had a HMRC check go there for about 2.2k VAT return. They scanned it into me, but they never posted the checkout. 
So I'm like, I can't go to the bank. Here's a scanned image of the check. Please cash it in. So now I have to phone HMRC to get another one cent, put the bank details in there. So that's the disadvantages of those as well. Well, what we actually also do, so as an extra tip, we have a local registered uh, address as well. So we can go and personally pick up posts, you know, if we need to, especially for that postcard that occasionally you need for bank verification for Amazon uh, as well. So, you know, but I think the most important is reputable, uh, do some research, um, but definitely not home address. You don't want people turning up at your door. That's that's the most important thing for sure. Yeah, a couple of questions there, just, about, uh, sorry, comments about will it go into verification? It shouldn't do uh, for that level. It may go into a light verification, but certainly no suspension of disbursement or or anything like that whatsoever. You might just have to get the, I think for this one, it's either UTR number or, or something that you have to get, but it's better than going through potential light verification and changing it than having under a suspension situation where your details don't match and you're unable to change them. So it's always better to, to make that proactive change on Amazon, I think. Also, one thing on that, there are two things Amazon asks you. One is a business address and one is a trading address. The differences are you can be registered to my business address or a, a, a virtual address office. Your trading address is where your activity takes place. So you may prep at home, for example. Your trading address, uh, when I set mine up two years ago, my business address was in London. My trading address was my home one, which doesn't change on Amazon, right? So even the verification should be very easy to get through. Your trading address doesn't change. Your business address has. But I think exactly what Natalie said at Echo it is definitely worthwhile and just going through the light verification. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't go into any type of horrible uh, verification like it used to. But, you know, Amazon is that forever moving. They love moving goalposts. So, you know, this valid is only this information is only valid and good now, guys. Um, what I will say, Harvey, you've been so generous with your time. Uh, there's loads more I wanted to ask. There's questions we wanted to answer, but I, I know how busy you are at the moment. So maybe you can come back and visit us another time uh, and we can go through some stuff. But I know that you are so very generous with your time, regardless of whether people are clients or not. So Harvey is in the group. Whilst I will say, please respect his time, uh, of course, but I'm sure you don't mind, you know, you know the odd question being asked here and there, uh, you know, here and there. Absolutely. I'm here for all of you guys. And I will be coming to Manchester as well. So for anyone who's uh, coming along there, I've asked yeah. Natalie for tickets early on this morning. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, this is, uh, this is a Hive event exclusive, guys, unfortunately. So unless you are a Hive member, you aren't able to attend on this occasion. But that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, Harvey's going to be coming to the event in Manchester on Sunday uh, anyway as well. So if you know, you know, and Harvey will be there as well, uh, mingling uh, with the Hive members. So um, everyone, if you can appreciate uh, Harvey as much as possible and uh, show him your appreciation uh because yeah and also sorry shameless plug you know you've given us an hour and 10 minutes of your time if anyone does want to contact you no pressure this is not an upsell or anything like that but i'm sure you'll agree this chap definitely knows what he's talking about uh how can anyone contact you uh thanks for that actually uh so you can dm me on facebook i'm actively checking my facebook especially now uh also my website is smartly.co.uk on there if you click contact in the same way for clients and uh, non-clients, 
you can just click contact and my calendar appears and you can just book in slots uh, oh, wow. over there. So uh, my calendar is always up to date, just booking any slots you wish. And like I said, even if it's just advice, no obligations, no charges, nothing. So feel free to reach out. I'm here to help everyone. Cool. And uh, yeah, Cindy, thank you very much. Put the website on there at smartly.co.uk. We won't go through fees and... um, That's fine. uh, Oh, it's been as it says that. We won't go through fees here, but if if you do what uh, Harvey says and just um, go ahead and hit that contact button, everything's no obligation, of course. I mean... Hopefully, you guys, uh, I, I'm a pretty good, uh, hopefully, I'm pretty good uh, at, at judging, if, well, not judging people, that's totally the wrong word, but you're definitely, you don't seem me like a pressure kind of guy. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You're a good recruiter. Also, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all my existing clients who have so supported me very, very much on all the Facebook groups, raved about me, and it's because of you guys that I'm in this situation now where a lot of people are supporting me, coming on to me, so I can't thank my existing clients uh, more than enough. Yeah, no, thank that's you, lovely. That's lovely, and you know we appreciate you coming on. We really, really do. Lots of lots of love for you there in the comments, Harvey. So, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, I'm going to be back next week. Um, hopefully, I'm sure we will still be talking about the elephant in the room this time next week anyway as well but if you just caught the end of it and you are a passive tax employee uh, sorry not employee uh, well if you're in passive tax employee that's that's a different situation if you are a client then uh, it's worth going through and looking at this but ultimately the biggest takeaways is everything is resolvable yes i know it's a bit of a shit show uh, but everything is resolvable you will get it resolved and hopefully you'll get it, get through it as unscathed as possible find and uh, you know if for any reason uh, you're not going to be talking to harvey uh, and whoever you're going to be talking to ask those questions make sure you do your own due diligence but mostly importantly please don't feel like you can never trust an accountant again or anything like that. It's a very rare situation and we want to ensure that everybody, um, you know, really is in a case of uh, going through and dealing with this as opposed to not wanting to deal with it because they think it's all just going to go away. It really won't. You need to face this head on guys. And of course we're here to support you as much as possible. So, um, Harvey, once again, thank you very much. Anyone that wants to contact him, uh, please do so. And I will see you guys next week. But obviously, keep communicating. Keep posting in the group. All of your posts uh, are so helpful to everyone in this situation. And as Harvey said at the start, it's your network is your net worth in a situation like this where, you know, you can feel quite lonely but in this situation hopefully you guys are helping each other you know all helping each other out which i totally see that you are which is fantastic thank you very much everyone really appreciate all your time thanks for joining bye bye